Hey everyone, I'm Pastor Nick Tarter. I want to thank you for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Bethany, Oklahoma, learning what it looks like to be in Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did, so that our world can be saturated with the good news and the good works of Jesus. We invite you to join us on this journey, and we hope that this content will help you to grow to be the person God created you to be. This morning, as we engage the Word, I would really just encourage us to engage the Word with, with just a heart ready to receive from the Lord. So, so um, even before we, we dive into this, I would just like for us to, to, to just pray a prayer of reception of God's Word this morning. So... Um, Let's do that together. Lord, we we receive from you. Lord, we receive your word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do the thing that only you can do, Lord, and that is to make this scripture make sense to us. Lord, illuminate our hearts to understand what you're saying, God. Remove the veil that is over us as human beings and illuminate with your Holy Spirit our hearts so that we can see what you're trying to say to us, God. Help us to repent. Help us to believe the gospel. Help us to be bold as followers of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in... uh, Oh, I just realized I have my wrong notes pulled up. Okay, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And and I'll tell you, after last week, y'all, I set my computer not to go to sleep for like 45 minutes. So uh, that should, we should be fine. If it goes off, I'll know I went way too long. Um, okay, so, uh, all right. Um, so First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And this is going to be something we're going to have to, it's going to take, uh, you know, this more than one message is going to come out of this. I, I just really sense the Lord um, leading me and us into this passage. And uh, I really felt the Lord lead me to chapter 4, but then as I was reading in chapter 4 and praying, I just felt the Holy Spirit kept saying, go back a little bit. And I went back a little bit, and I read this part, and I said, you're right, Lord, we have to, we have to start there. And so um, we're starting here. We're going to move through this and then through part of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians as well. And we're going to be looking at um, the power of the gospel not only to transform us, but to transform our culture. And we're also going to be reminding ourselves that even though it seems like, and it's true, that this world is crumbling apart, we have hope in Jesus. And because we have hope in Christ, we can stand in the midst of what's crumbling and we can declare his glory. And I want to encourage us that, that, that we are called by God to be bold as followers of Christ. The spirit of this age wants to beat us down, but we're not going to let that happen. We're going to stand up and we're going to be bold because we have the power of God. So that's just a little uh, little preview of what's to come. The, the, the title of today's message is Living Light. And when I say light, this is kind of a loaded word because uh, I mean several things here. I remember Max Licato once wrote a book called Traveling Light. Anyone ever read that? It's a great book about dropping off your junk and walking in the freedom of Christ, right? Um, and, and, how, and, and I love the book because he declares to us in the book, hey, it is your birthright to be free of sin. It's your birthright to be free of hang-ups because you are in Christ. That's something we need to remember. So part of it is that about like, yes, I'm free from all of my junk. I can let that go. I can now live in freedom. But the other part is that 
we have received a special illumination into reality because we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. So you see, it's a play on words. It's loaded. There's several things happening. Yeah, we're lightened. Our load is lightened, but also we have light to see. Mark tells us a story in chapter 10 of his gospel about this man named Bartimaeus. Anybody ever heard this, this story? I'm sure you have if you've read the scriptures, but uh, I like to call him Blind Bart because that's a very American thing. You know, we, we don't say Bartholomew or Bartimaeus. We say Bart, right? That's, that's how we do. Um, so, uh, but Jesus ran to this guy, and, and this, this man was... Uh, was crying out to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, there's a lot in that statement already, right? The fact that he would call Jesus Son of David, there's already a statement of faith. Bartimaeus was saying, hey, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. Son of David. And he cried out, have mercy. You see, Bart had heard, he'd heard the stories of other people who'd been healed and how Jesus had opened the eyes of the blind. And he'd heard stories of how Jesus had had laid his hands on the lepers and cleansed them. And he knew if this guy has the power to heal them, he's got the power to heal me. And in faith, he reached out and he said, have mercy on me. And now Jesus called him up. And I love it because the people were like, the people were telling him, hey, be quiet. You know, you blind guy. Get, you know. And that's how the world treats marginalized and oppressed people, doesn't it? The world treats the poor and those who are struggling as if they're to be kicked to the side. It's the way the world is. The world is, is, is a dog-eat-dog sort of a place. The world is a place in which people look at other people as opportunities for exploitation. We know that all too well in this country, don't we? A lot of the problems we're facing today as a culture are because centuries ago, people who wrote the Declaration of Independence and signed the Constitution refused to stand up and say all people are equally valuable before God. Because they wanted to exploit certain people for profit and gain instead of do the right thing. And we're facing the consequences, aren't we, of our forefathers' mistakes and their children's mistakes and all the way down until today. Where we're still having to fight this and figure out how do we, how do we repent well? How do we change but in those days, they, 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 were, they would push aside people like Bartimaeus and, and lepers and people like that and say, you're not as valuable, you're not as human, you don't matter, get out of the way. Let us important people get to, get to Jesus. But Jesus isn't like that. You know why? Because God chooses the broken, he chooses the marginalized, he chooses the outcasts. In fact, the Apostle Paul, remember what the Apostle Paul said to, to the, 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 uh, the Corinthians when he wrote, he said, not many of you guys were that cool, you know? You got, in fact, you guys were some rejects, and Jesus called you. He, not many people who were believers in Corinth were people who were of note before they were saved. And that's true in this room, too. I don't think we have any celebrities in here. I don't know. Maybe Dr. Limeberry. He's written books and stuff. And, and he, but but uh, no, nah, he's he 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 wouldn't like to be uh, called a celebrity. But you know, I mean, I'm just uh, like not many in this room. There's nobody in this room actually who's very well known. I got really excited when I got my 600th follower on Twitter. You know, I was like, wow, 600 people. That's so cool. Um, but, but here's the reality. God chooses people like that. So Jesus reaches out to a guy like Bartimaeus. He says, come to me. Now, what does Bartimaeus, uh, what does Jesus say to him? He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, that's a really important statement. And I think Jesus says that to us on a regular basis. And I wonder if we're listening. 
hey, what do you want me to do for you? What, what, what hurt, what hang up, what sin do you need to be freed from? Because I died on the cross for that, and I want to I set you free, right? Well, Bartimaeus, he, his problem was pretty obvious. He couldn't see. And he said to Jesus, I, I, I want to see. And Jesus says to him, your faith has made you well. And this man was healed, and, he, and his eyes were open, and he saw for the very first time. Now, here's what I want us to do this morning. Can, you, can we just imagine for a minute what it would be like if you had never opened your eyes and seen a sunset? If you'd never seen the green grass? You'd never seen the ocean or a lake? Or you, you would never seen your spouse's face? What would it be like if you were blind and for the first time ever, you opened your eyes and you saw. Can you imagine? How excited would you be? How thrilled would you be? Like, the world would be a different place, and you would see with a new kind of clarity and a new kind of definition. And I'm talking more definition than the difference between 1080p and 4K. I'm just saying. I'm talking more definition than things that we get excited about in the world. I'm talking you would see everything like it was brand new. Now the reason I tell this story is because oftentimes Jesus would say to people like the Pharisees, you know, he would say, you're blind. And they, and they would say, what do you mean? We know the scriptures, we have all these things. And he'd say, because you pretend like you see, you're actually blind. He, he would say, you know, what you need to do is actually admit that you're blind. And then come to me and I'll give you sight, right? But so oftentimes, because of the way that our world is, because of our first father, Adam, and Adam's decision to, to turn away from God and towards himself for satisfaction, that's what Adam did in the garden, right? You know, everybody blames Eve because she ate the fruit first, but Adam was hanging out right there next to her, and he didn't do anything. And he took up and he ate the fruit too. And guess who got the blame? It wasn't the woman. God came to Adam and said, I put you over my garden. What are you doing? And then Adam blamed his wife. I'm, I mean, wives, I'm going to apologize on behalf of all husbands. Adam it taught us how to do that, okay? So, but, but, but we've got to reject the way of Adam, right? We've got to reject the way of Adam and the way that Adam relates to the world. The way Adam relates to the world is Adam looks at the world and says, how can I exploit this for my pleasure and my good? But the way Jesus looks at the world is, is he says, how can I serve and die so that someone else can live. You see, Adam is turned inward. Jesus is turned outward. And Jesus is the example of the man that we're called to be. So because we are children of our father, Adam, we too are stuck in blindness, a lot like Bartimaeus, but we're talking about a spiritual blindness. And right here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to see how Paul, he addresses this blindness. But he also talks about how in Christ, things are changed for us. So let's start in verse 12. We're going to read through verse 17, and we're, and we're going to dive into this passage this morning. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to prevent, to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, 
Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Can we just give God a, a praise for his word this morning? Amen. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. So we're going to ask some questions this morning because this passage tells us some pretty important things about who God is and who we are in light of who God is, right? But it also reminds us about who we used to be, and we need to remember that too if we're going to minister to the world, right? Because here's what we got to remember. We may have had the veil removed off of us so that we can see things as they really are, but most of the rest of the world is still living like blind Bart. They can't see. And that's how they, that's, they can't see sin. They can't see their own death. They can't see the glory of Jesus. They're blind from it. And that's why they act the way that they are. And, and I feel, I, I got to say something because I just feel the Lord impressing this on my heart. It's easy for us to get angry and upset when we see people tearing up cities and throwing bricks through windows. But what we have to remember is that those people are hurting and broken and they don't have the cross of Jesus to cover up trespasses like we do. They don't understand that. Now, they do have it. They just don't know. And so I, I just want to encourage us. Can we not respond in anger? I mean, yes, let's be, we can be angry and upset that this world is full of sin. But can we look upon those people with compassion? Because they're sheep without a shepherd. They don't know what we know. They, they have the veil, and all they see is, I've got to do like Adam and reach out and take it for myself. They don't understand that, that Christ came from heaven, and he gave us all things, and he covered every trespass. They don't know that. Okay, that, that, was, that, that wasn't part of where I was going, but, but that needed to be said. Okay, so, so let's ask the question, who is God? What does this passage tell us about who God is? Well, it's pretty clear, right? He is the Holy Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit. Paul says right here, the Lord who is the Spirit. That's really important for us. Because uh, I think there is a... Um, there is a problem in much of evangelical Christianity that we forget that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? I, I've been in a lot of churches where you, you barely ever hear the name of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, it is better that I go so that the Spirit can come. Why? Because this, Jesus was with us physically, but the Spirit is with us internally. It's a whole other level of the presence of God in us. In fact, the cross... And the empty tomb are actually doors that Jesus has burst open so the Spirit can come in. He busted through the front lines of sin in us so the Spirit could come in and change us from the inside out. That's powerful. And we need to remember that, that right here, the Apostle Paul, remember, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to us that the Holy Spirit carries the same name, the Lord as the Father and the Son. He is the Lord. And in fact, what we learn about the Spirit here is that his ministry and the ministry of Jesus are so closely related that it's very difficult to find where the one stops and one starts. And can I say that God designed it to be that way? Because God loves to reveal his unity to the world. That even though he is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he acts as one. And sometimes it's hard to tell who's acting. That's pretty cool. 
And you can also know that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the Son of God in you, and you have the Father in you. That all of God is always present in you at any given time because the presence of the Spirit is in you. Paul makes it really clear that that now that Christ has won our souls, he's gone away and sent the Spirit, he and the Holy Spirit are nearly indistinguishable, and they are in us. We don't want to make the mistake of thinking in our minds that the Holy Spirit is somehow less God than the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one who is actively working to free us from sin and death. His presence in us isn't constricting, it's liberating. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, he tells us in in verse 17. I love love this um, from Charles Spurgeon. He says that, that if someone who's a murderer is pardoned and set free, he's free, but he's still guilty. But he says, we are not only pardoned of guilt, but we are also, or we are not only pardoned of our sentence, we are also delivered and absolved of all guilt in Christ. And we are 100% free. And the Spirit of the Lord in us is to remind us that we truly are free of our former selves. Sin and death has died. And God is not telling an exaggeration when he says that your sin is, is as far as the east is from the west. That it's in the deepest depths of the ocean. Now, I want to ask us this question because it's really important. Christian, do you believe that Jesus has actually covered over your sins and that they're gone? That improper thought that you had this morning, gone already? It was gone before you had it. Because Christ died for all sins, past, present, and future for all of us who are in him. And, and if the Spirit is in you, you have that freedom. You know it. You can be confident because the Spirit is present in you. So, so God is the Holy Spirit. But, but what has he done? He's freed us from our sins. He set us free from sin through Jesus and thus removing the veil that was over our eyes that kept us from seeing God as who he truly is. That veil also allows us to see people for who they truly are and to have compassion even on those who've offended us. Remember how Jesus had compassion on you while you were still his enemy? Make no mistake, when you met Christ, you were at war with God. And instead of destroying you, he adopted you as a child. That's how God does, right? Some people capture their enemies and put them in internment camps or they kill their enemies. God adopts his enemies as his children. So how do you treat your enemies? It's an important question, isn't it? Remember Paul told us in verses 15 through 17, yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. That's how it is with most of the world. They, they, they can't see. One of the most powerful realizations we have through the gospel is that the God of the universe literally condescended to our level and submitted himself to our pain and suffering so that we could rise to his place of glory. Now let me tell you something. Those rioters out there have nothing on me and my rebellion against God. Those rioters out there have nothing on my rage against the Father. 
And yet the Father reached out to me with kindness and touched my heart, and, and he loved me, and he said, by the blood of my son, I call you to be my son. I have a hard time explaining that sometimes because I know me. Y'all know me a little bit. I know me. I know the depths of my brokenness. I know my deepest, darkest, sinful thoughts. I know what I'm capable of if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. And it's a miracle that I'm saved. An absolute miracle. I know it's not me. I know, I know I didn't merit my salvation. I know it because I know myself. But God in his grace reached out to me and to you. And Christ exchanged his glory for our mess so that we could rise up to his glory. That's amazing. For this world, it's all about power. We, we, we mentioned this. It's all about power, manipulation. It's all about trying to make other people be submissive to us so that we can get what we want out of this life. But God gave up his power. He was entirely submissive to the Father. Think about that. Jesus... He says in John that he only did what he saw his father doing. He was entirely submissive, even though he is God. And he went mostly unrecognized. Isaiah says there was nothing physically attractive about him that would have drawn men, drawn men to him. He didn't come as a celebrity. He could have. He could have been an Instagram influencer if he wanted to. You know, I mean, he, 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 could, have been, he, could, have, he could have been born in a palace. He could have been some great person, but he chose to be born in a manger with dust and donkeys. Probably not Eddie Murphy's donkey either. Probably some, some weird donkey, you know. He, he was born in this humility, but he didn't have to be. But that's what he chose. And his victory came not through oppressing others and, and, and through getting what he wanted, what he thought would benefit him out of this life. His victory came through suffering. Now, we have to remember over and over again in Scripture, we're told that it's not the greatest in our eyes who are the greatest in the kingdom, but it's the least in our eyes. It's this, Jesus says it's the servant among you who's the greatest in the kingdom. And when he bent down to wash his disciples' feet, he says, I, I'm serving you because I want you to see that even though I'm your Lord, I am your servant. And he was setting a standard for what the kingdom life looks like. The kingdom life is not a life of reaching out and taking. It's a life of laying ourselves down. And that's what God has done for us. Through Jesus, we are learning to reverse the ways of our father Adam. And of course, that's going to seem backwards to the world. And it probably seems backwards to us sometimes. Because we still have a little bit of the flesh, the, the, the sin nature that we're fighting, right? We're still wrestling with that. But we don't have the veil over our eyes anymore. And so we can see, we see the curse of Adam's sin. We see the spell that we were under for what it was. And we see that the ways of the kingdom are backwards to this world. But they're actually the right way. It's actually this world that's backwards. But nobody knows it because it seems normal. So when we come to them preaching the gospel of the kingdom, people are like, you guys are weird and that sounds funny. Like, how can I like, win through losing? I don't understand that. And Pastor Dwight read that, that verse that Mark wrote. You know, those, 
that uh, that if you want to be if you if you want to uh, save your life, you have to lose it. The world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand that 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 actually when we give everything of ourselves away, we're actually winning. The world can't see that we're storing up treasure in heaven in the presence of God, right? The, wor- the world can't see that this world is not everything, that there's so much more. But we can. The Spirit's presence brings freedom to us. And the more of Him that we have, the more freedom from the world's ways we can expect. Now here's the thing. When, when we get away from the Spirit, when we kind of drift away from God, we start to see spiritual things sort of fuzzy again. We may, even Christians may start to, to, to think the world's siren call sounds pretty good. Right? Like, like huh, maybe, maybe I do need to focus on money, power, fame, wealth. Maybe that is the thing that will give me life. Maybe I do need to make this dishonest business deal over here. Even though it's oppressing somebody, it's going to lift me up. Maybe, I'm going to use people as a stepping stone. Man, I'm like, remember that old monkey song? I'm not your stepping stone, man. You know, because you, and, and you're not my stepping stone because here's the thing. Jesus Christ was my stepping stone. He laid himself down on purpose for me so that I could rise up through him. So I guess what I really should be saying is God's calling us like Jesus to be stepping stones that other people can walk on so they can get to him. But it's not about us. It's not about us trampling on other people. We'd rather be trampled on because of Jesus so someone else can come to know him and the power of his resurrection through us. We can't forget who we are. We are Christians. I think we need to say that together. We are Christians. Let's say that. We are Christians. You know what that means? It's not just a religion. It means little Christs. We are like Jesus who, who laid himself down in our place so that we could rise up to him. Now, who are you laying your life down for right now so they can rise up to Christ? That's what God has called us to do, to live for, to live to see people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior so they can be set free. Brings us to the question, who are we? Who are we? It's important. If you have to know who you are, right? If you're going to be victorious in what we're talking about here. Who are we? We are people who have been set free through Jesus and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a different way. That's our identity. We're Jesus people. We are Jesus people. We're not worldly people anymore. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're in Christ and we are glorious through Him. But our glory is not a worldly glory. Our proximity to the Holy Spirit has an effect on us so that his radiance shines through us. That's God's design for you. Do you, do you want to be the kind of person who the radiance of the glory of God shines through you? Is that what you want for your life? Because I want you to know it belongs to you in Christ. If it's not there, it's not because you don't have it. It's because you're not taking enough time to be with him and to be filled with him. Maybe we have distractions going on. We all do, right? 
Like I, I've told you many times, more, more often than not, it's like the Holy Spirit tells me, put your phone down, son. You need to spend some time with me. And, I, and I'm, sometimes I obey and sometimes I don't, but I'll tell you, when I do obey, I feel His presence and His power so significantly in those moments when I choose Him over this world. If our light becomes dull, it isn't because it's worn off. It's because we forgot who we are. We are becoming like Jesus. That's what Scripture says. We're becoming like Jesus. We just read it. The Holy Spirit doesn't lie. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell you something just to make you feel better about yourself. No, He tells you what's true. And what did he say? He said, you are being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. You know what that means? It means throughout our lives we're going to be experiencing different levels of glory as we grow up in him. The glory I had when I was first saved doesn't compare to the glory I have today because Christ has grown me so much towards him. I've become a lot more like Jesus. And I love it when I look at myself and I realize I'm less like me and I'm more like him. But I also am not as much like him as I wish I was, and I'm still a little bit too much like me. But, but I'm so thankful that he's at work in my life, and I can see it. I can see that I'm not the same person. But I want to encourage us to, to remember that this is a grace gift from the Lord, and he is, he is active in helping us grow into it. This is not something that we earned because we were good little kids. Amen. He gave it to us while we were his enemies. It's a grace gift. You, Christian, are a walking miracle of the work of God because you're saved. But if this is who we are, then what, what, do, we get, what do we do? What is, this, what is this calling us to do? Well, Paul tells us at the very beginning of this passage, right? He says, since then, we have such a hope, we, are, we act with great boldness. So we, are both, we both speak and live boldly out of our new gospel identity in Christ. It's who we are. Now, remember, we, we like to say this statement. We haven't said it enough lately. I'm realizing we need to say these things more often. But we want to see the Oklahoma City metro saturated with the good news and the good works of Jesus. That's our dream, church. Now, can we dream of a place that is like that? I'll tell you this. It's not like that right now. It's not like that at all right now. Um, I frequently see things that I wish I didn't see in this city, and I hear things that I wish I didn't hear. And, and I, this, there are a lot of good people here, but, but our city doesn't exist for the glory of God. And the good news of Jesus isn't going forth from the mountaintops like it should. We're, we're a city that's full of churches, and yet people don't understand the gospel. How is that? I think it's because, just because we have bunch of church buildings doesn't mean we have a bunch of Christians going out spreading the light. It doesn't mean the salt is actually coming out of the shaker. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. But as long as it's in the shaker, what's the point? Salt only works if you actually put it on the meat. Or on the french fries. Or what, whatever, you know. Like it only works if you're putting it on the thing that is meant to be flavored or preserved. I will admit that I ate beef jerky for breakfast this morning. Amen? I mean, it was really good, and it was salty, and that salt was working because somebody put the salt into the brine that they put the meat in. You could taste it. But what about our culture? 
Is our culture salty because Christians are speaking and doing? I feel like we're not salty enough. We need to put more salt into the mix because the loudest voices right now are not the Christian voices. And that's not okay. We are called to speak boldly and to live boldly. I want to encourage us with a couple things. One, we need to share our story about what Jesus has done for us. I'm going to encourage you to share your story with other people. Tell people about how Christ redeemed you. What he's doing for you now to grow you into the image of Christ. How he's changing your life. Tell people about your story. Tell people about God's freedom. The world has no idea how dead in its sins it really is. The world, they don't know. And I know we kind of, in our, in our minds, we kind of expect, y'all should know better, but they don't know better. You know why they don't know better? Because they don't have the illumination of the Spirit like we have. So how can we change this world? There's only one way to do it. More people need to be illuminated by the power of the Spirit. And how does that happen? They have to repent and believe the gospel about Jesus. So we've got to tell them about the freedom that we have in Christ and how they can be free in Christ. I want to encourage you that you can be salt and light in the conversations that are happening right now on social media, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. You can speak gospel truth into what's happening today. You can do it. And you have the Holy Spirit. You may think, well, I, I'm not a good speaker. I don't, I, don't, I don't really have the words to say, okay, Moses. We see how, how that ended, right? Jesus called us to speak, and so he's going to empower us. He's going to. Yeah, even the young. Absolutely. Let's live boldly. I want to encourage us to commit to show the world the power of the gospel through the way that we love other people, through the way that we advocate for the oppressed and we serve the lowly. I heard a great message from Tim Keller on injustice, and, and I'm just trying to learn a lot of stuff, by the way, lately. But I heard this great message, and one of the things he said in this message is, is he said that, um, that if God is the kind of God who calls the poor and the broken and the impressed, the oppressed, then you would think that people who are following this God would be the kind of people who would prefer those people too. I was like, man, that's so powerful and it's so true. Remember how the early church was full of people who were social outcasts. Can we be that again today? Absolutely. Let me tell you, there's, a, there, there, there's an LGBT community in this city that needs the gospel. There, there, there are angry there are angry young people who don't know what to do with themselves who have been protesting. They need the gospel. There are hurting people who have experienced racial profiling. They need the gospel and they need us to love them. There are people all over this city who are hurting and broken. And we carry the solution to their pain. And part of what they need is for us to express to them the love of Jesus through our actions. They don't need us just to be always telling. I think part of the problem is we've been telling, but we haven't been doing in a way that matches up with our telling. We've got to do both together. Martin Luther used to say that we're saved by grace alone, but it's not a grace that remains alone. It comes with it actions. That our works are not a a, a means of attaining God's grace, but they sure are the proof of it in our lives. I want to encourage us to be lighthearted and joyful rather than angry and defeated. 
Uh, I'm just observing, but too often I'm seeing a lot of Christians in our culture who are being carried away by the current ideas in the culture rather than standing as a buffer which halts the advancement of worldly worldly ideas. We should be redeeming the tone rather than having the tone set for us by a world that is broken. It's our job to speak truth into this world. And they need us as much as they ever had. They need us as much as they ever have, church. They need you. They need me to speak boldly the ways of Jesus. And so, again, we're, we're in a crisis moment. That much is true. But, but here's what we know. We know that God is the Holy Spirit. We know that we have been freed through Jesus from the worldly way of thinking and, and also the worldly way of living. We know that that we have a new mind in Christ and that we're being transformed. We know that because of who Christ is, we have a new voice and a license from God to be bold about what he has done and for what he wants to do, not only for us, but for the whole world. God wants to reclaim the current conversations for his glory and for the good of others. So, so I think there's a lot we can consider here, a lot we can do. I can't tell you how to apply this into your own life exactly, but I can tell you that I think God is calling us to pray and to think about who we can touch this week. Maybe it's a social media post. Maybe it's somebody at your work telling a, a, a racist joke, and you can stand up and be like, hey, that's not appropriate. Uh, that's hurting somebody's heart when you stand up, when, when, you, when you do that kind of a thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's just something as simple as you see someone who is hurting and you just, you know, who, who lost their job and they don't have any money, and you give them 20 bucks. Or you take them some groceries. There's all kinds of ways we can serve people. Maybe you see someone who's angry and you'd be like, hey, you know what? Um, hey, I love you and God loves you. And, and, and you just find a way to show them the love of Christ. Man, it's little acts of kindness every day that allow people to see the gospel flowing through us. And by the way, those open up doors so that we can speak it as well. So, um, so salt of the earth, that's you. And me, we're the salt of the earth, Jesus said. So salt of the earth, here's my encouragement. Let's shake all over the city for the glory of Jesus and the salvation of souls. You've been listening to the New Covenant Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If God spoke to you or if you'd like us to pray for you, you can email Pastor Nick directly at nick at newcovenantokc.org. If you'd like more information about our church, you may visit us on the web at newcovenantokc.org. We can't wait to hear from you.